Our reading this morning is from the book of Acts. Acts, the 16th chapter, beginning in verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Herigia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight from Simontras and the next day to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay with me at my house. And she persuaded us. This is the word of the Lord. Morning, everyone. It's good to be together today. And again, I want to commend each and every one of you for setting aside this time and making it a priority, not only for your own self, but what that means for us as we gather together as a body of believers. I want to share with you a true story. On April 11, 1912, a steamship named the Carpathia departed from New York City with some 740 passengers on board bound for Austria. Hungary. On April 15th at around 12.20 in the morning, the captain of the Carpathia was abruptly awakened from his sleep. A distress call had just come in. It was from the Titanic. She had struck an iceberg and was sinking fast. For Captain Arthur Rostron, this call of distress was a call to duty. In an instant, he had but one purpose, the rescuing of lives. Everyone who worked the boiler room were called to action and tasked with the responsibility of generating maximum steam. Since time was of the essence, the comfort of the passengers and crew were, of no, were no longer of primary concern. So they shut down the steam that heated the cabins and, and provided hot water and directed all the steam to the engines. Although the ship's speed was rated at only 14 knots, this alone allowed them to, to gain an additional three knots. And if you know anything about big ships, that is a huge bump in speed. The boiler workers had but one 
purpose. The rescuing of lives. While en route, the crew, instead of now devoting their attention to the comfort and the care of the passengers, they now focused all of their energy and effort to preparing for as many as 3,000 survivors. Lifeboats, cranes, rope ladders, cargo nets, and lights were readied. Makeshift apparatuses were constructed to hoist injured survivors and young children aboard. Public areas, dining rooms, officers' cabins were all converted into spaces where survivors would be provided with first aid, blankets, and hot liquids. The crew had but one purpose, the rescuing of lives. To this day, the sinking of the Titanic remains one of the deadliest peacetime maritime disasters in history with more than 1,500 lives lost that night. But in the midst of what was a significant tragedy, 704 lives were saved. All thanks to the heart, the passion, the commitment, the sacrifice, and the effort of the captain and crew of the Carpathia. On another night in history, a man by the name of Paul found his sleep abruptly interrupted by a distress call. It was the vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, please come to Macedonia and help us. For the Apostle Paul, this call of distress was a call to duty. And in an instant, the Apostle Paul had but one purpose, the rescuing of lives. Luke goes on to tell us, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. My friends, I want you to take a moment and consider the heart of the Apostle Paul. After all, he knew firsthand what it was like to be spiritually shipwrecked, to not know God as his Father and Jesus as his Savior. In fact, Paul, on a regular occasion, readily referred to himself as less than the least of all of God's people and the worst of sinners. He even once declared, what a wretched man I am, who will rescue me? Who would rescue Paul? God would. And God did. Through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in time as Paul grew to know and understand the heart and the mind of Almighty God, the Apostle Paul came to learn that not only did God want to save him, but as he wrote to Timothy, God our Savior wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And my friends, the Apostle Paul never lost sight of this truth, nor did he ever, ever take it for granted. In fact, in his letter to the Colossians, he wrote, for God has rescued us 
from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son whom He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Not only do I want you to consider the heart of the Apostle Paul, I want you to now consider the life of the Apostle Paul. From the moment he came to saving faith in Christ Jesus, from that time forward, having been rescued himself, the Apostle Paul was all about the rescuing of others. He wrote to Timothy, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display the unlimited patience, his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. He wrote to the Ephesians, although I am the less, less than the least of all of God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. As you can see, my friends, God's open heart for Paul opened Paul's heart toward others, especially those who as yet did not know Jesus as Savior and Lord. From the moment he was saved, he had but one purpose, the rescuing of lives. And especially in the occasion of our text, it did not take long for Paul, for his life-saving purpose to be realized. Luke tells us that after having sailed and traveled to Philippi, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us into her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. My friends, what Luke records here for our benefit is the very first person in all of Europe to embrace the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, a woman by the name of Lydia. And the impact that the gospel had on her life is seen immediately in her welcoming Paul and his missionary team into her home under the shelter and the provision that she could provide. And we gather that as a dealer in purple cloth and owning a, a sizable enough home, not only for her own family, but for Paul and his team, Lydia was obviously a person of wealth, and she demonstrated great generosity and hospitality to Paul and was supportive of his ministry efforts. But I also want you to consider the impact that her conversion had on others, because you see, it was from this city of Philippi that the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ began to spread out across all of Europe. It spread further to where many other lives were transformed and people were rescued and saved. I find it particularly interesting this past week as I was studying this text and preparing that my thought wondered, huh, given the fact that my family is of European descent, to what extent could it be that my faith roots can be traced all the way back to this woman named Lydia? It just caused me to ponder 
But it's especially also worth noting that it was the church in Philippi, as it began to develop and grow, continued to be the most supportive congregation in the life and the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Even when they went through impoverished times, yet they continued to be generous to the work and the ministry of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it all began with the rescuing of a woman by the name of Lydia. A special note in our text that I want you to be aware of are the words spoken by the man of Macedonia in Paul's vision when he says, help us. In Greek, this plea, help us, literally means run to the cry. I want us to ponder that for a moment. My guess is you're somewhat like me. If, if all of a sudden a, a young child falls and scrapes its knees and a cry of distress goes up, what, is, we, we, what do we do, at least in our hearts and our minds, if not literally, physically? We run to the cry. Our heart goes out to that child if they pinch their finger in a door, and, and all of a sudden we want to do something to console, to help, to reach out. God has wired us that way naturally to be concerned for those who are hurting. And even more so as a result of the grace of God that is now alive in our hearts through faith in Jesus Christ, God has planted and wired within us as his people to be a people who respond to the cries of others, who have a desire to rescue. When the captain of the Carpathia heard the distress signal of the Titanic, he ran to the cry. When the Apostle Paul heard the plea of the man of Macedonia, he ran to the cry. When Almighty God heard the despair of His creation drowning in the waters of sin, when He heard your voice, when He heard my voice, God ran to the cry. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Our God has a desire to save. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. What a joy and what a blessing it is when a body of believers of our Lord Jesus are in tune with this God-given, this God-driven desire to rescue. What an awesome time it is for us as a congregation right now, as a new ministry, one that we have been planning for for years, is underway not only this weekend, but we look to open the doors publicly next weekend to the ministry that's been established in Fishers. To be part of a ministry that is reaching into the city of our, of our community that on Sunday evenings, there's a body of individuals gathering together to worship downtown, all because of the ministry efforts of this congregation. And to be looking to further opportunities that the Lord might set for us further open doors by which Others can come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. What a blessing it is. What a joy it is. An awesome experience to be part of a ministry which is quick to run to the cry. 
What an honor it is to work together with you alongside of one another. With those who understand that a call to distress is a call to duty. What a blessing you and I can be to others. That as soon as the call goes out, we are ready, willing, and able to do whatever we can to respond to that cry with the saving message of our Lord Jesus Christ. To that end, my dear friends, sooner or later, God is going to take the path of your life. And He's going to take the path of somebody else's life, somebody who as yet does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. And in a moment, He is going to take your life and their life and allow the two to intersect. And in that moment, by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, God is going to provide you with an opportunity to make an eternal difference in the lives of others. In order to be ready for such moments, I want you to take a moment right here and now and consider four things about your own personal story. First of all, I want you to review your story. The Apostle Paul reminds us, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is a reason why each and every one of us is here today. Because somewhere along the way in our lives, we have come to the realization that our lives would be nothing were it not for the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Review your story and never ever take for granted what Jesus has done for you personally. Secondly, prepare your story. Begin to think through, even now, the differences that Jesus has made in your life, not only here and now, but also how He has readied you for eternity. Because odds are, the way in which Jesus has made a difference in your life, just by you sharing your story with somebody else, can make a difference in their lives as well. Peter reminds us, he says, in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have in Christ Jesus. Prepare your story. Thirdly, live your story. Open up your hearts in such a way to others that they might see Jesus not only in you, but through you. Walk beside those who are going through difficult times and challenging times and consider ways in which you might step into the brokenness of their lives and do something to help them. Jesus himself says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and give praise to your Father in heaven. Prepare your story or live your story. And fourthly, share your story. The Apostle Paul poses several questions to us when he asks, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone telling them? Sooner or later, my friends, we need to not only open our hearts, but we also need to open our mouths and to share with others the difference that Jesus not only has made in our lives, but the difference that Jesus will also make 
in their lives as well. Share your story. Because my dear friends, the distress calls are pouring in. People all around us are drowning in the consequences of sin. Today, there are people who are going to die and will be facing eternity without Jesus in their lives. If that is not a moment of distress, I don't know what is. May their cries of distress be our call to duty. As disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are indeed blessed with an awesome purpose in life, the rescuing of lives. So by God's grace, let us be the ones who run to the cry. Amen? Amen. God grant that to each of us for Jesus' sake.